Hey, hello friends, and welcome to this message, which is specially handpicked to minister to you and to bless you. I am Pastor Lincoln Seranga, Senior Pastor here at Liberty Christian Fellowship in London. My passion is the pursuit of 100% answered prayer. If that sounds like a good subject to you, why don't you follow me at lincolnseranga.com and also find me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and other social media where you will be able to find other messages as well as find access to short courses, coaching opportunities, and more. God bless you as you listen to this message. Knowing him who has known me. On Friday, if you miss Friday, please go back and follow Friday because I cannot explain to you. I wish I actually, I wish I could take a little more time but, and finish this. I don't know that I'll finish it. But you see, uh, it, this was a 5 a.m. encounter situation where I woke up and, and, and this was thrust upon my heart, knowing him who knows me. There are two realities. God knows you. God knows you. But that's not enough. We must now know him. So we must know the one who has known us. That's the subject of my, of my, of my teaching. And on Friday, I was making the point that um, in Psalm 139, and we have sung the song, if um, we can have that projection, Psalm 139, the psalmist writes, Lord, you have searched me and known me. And this is an incredible, powerful statement because he doesn't say you have known me. He said you have searched me, I've known me. So God needs to search you to know you. And this is incredible because we are talking about the omniscient one, the all-knowing one. God does not need to enroll for a course on any subject. He doesn't need to study biology because he created it. He doesn't need to study chemistry. He made the chemicals. He doesn't need to study history. He stands over it. He sees the end from the beginning. He's the Lord of history. In fact, they say history is his story. He doesn't need to read geography. He flung the earth into place. He put every mountain in place. He doesn't need to read geography or geology, but he, he, he enrolls into a course called you. God's knowledge of me and you is not from omniscience. Somehow, when God creates a person, he creates a mystery. Even he has to study who you are. Because he creates you as a spirit with a soul, with a mind, and a body, and a choice. That is why our worship feeds him. That's why our worship feeds him. Because worship is a sovereign product of the human soul. God 
does not decide what songs we are going to sing and impose them on us. <laughs> he doesn't. Worship, my friends, is, that's why Satan says to Jesus, I will give you all the glory of the earth. Just worship me. Worship is the most expensive product in the universe. Because not even God knows it. I don't even say, I don't think you can simply say, oh, the Lord gave me a song. <laughs> How can you God give you a song to sing it to him? <laughs> yes, he collaborates in the creative process. The Holy Spirit comes upon you. And as the Spirit is upon you, he bonds with your spirit. And with your spirit as a songwriter, Evie. As a songwriter, who is another songwriter here? Pastor Tony. <laughs> Maybe a prophecy, who knows? But you see, God does not write the song. It is your soul, your spirit, which writes the song. And the product is fully God and fully man. And he must hear the song. He hears the song and he hears the, your choice of words and chords and progressions. It comes from him, yet not from him. It is from you. It is him and you and you and him. And, and, and all the devils and angels sit and watch the mystery of human worship. Do you understand? When we stand here and somebody sits at the drums... And somebody sits at the keys and the bass guitar and people begin to play. What we create is the contention of powers in the heavens. Don't think Satan just wants to send floods or kill people. <laughs> those, are the, those are the side issues. The issue at hand is human worship. But, but you see... Let, let me go back. The, the worship is produced by you and me. And that you, that thing called you, <laughs> is, is the point that I'm making here. That the psalmist comes to this revelation and says, you, Lord, you have searched me like you sit down and investigate a matter. He's saying, Lord, you have sat down and searched me layer by layer, fold by fold, inch by inch, iota by iota, stroke by stroke. God has searched everybody here. And then he comes to that place and says, I know you. Now, when did he do this? He did this outside of time. Because he says to Jeremiah, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. <laughs> so, he doesn't wait for time to educate him. He stands in timelessness and knows you through searching, not through omniscience. It's not through omniscience. Omniscience, by the way, is the, one of the three O's of God. Omnipotence, omnipresence, and omniscience. Omnipotence, God is all-powerful. Omnipresent, God is everywhere. Omniscience, he knows all things except you. Until he searches you. My God. 
my God. He knows me. Now, this is not, sir. Now, this is a weird thing. And this is where my sermon, I have no script because I, I could not. And I spent hours trying to put this sermon down. I can't. It's got to come out of me as I go. Because I can't structure it. Now, can you believe the omniscient one huh, can fail to know? Now, look at this. Did I give you Matthew 7, 21? Projection team, Marvin, did I give you Matthew 7, 21 to 23? Now, listen to this. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Let's continue. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Can you imagine that the omniscient one can fail to know someone? <laughs> Selah. There it is. That's when I realized this is not about omniscience. So, God stands outside of time and looks at you and he can't work you out. <laughs> Can you imagine that God can look at somebody and say, I am so confused. You can develop a mindset. Now, please understand, this knowledge of God, as I told you, is not an omniscience. It's not God because he's all-powerful. No, no. It is an actual interaction with you outside of time. Outside of time, because God is saying to Jeremiah, I knew you before you were in your mother's womb. So it's outside of time. But God looked at Lincoln from beginning to end, outside of time. And he said, I get this boy. The problem is the story is full of mess, ups, downs, ins, out, witchcraft, alcohol, all the demonization that I've gone through, but God gets me. And he writes my name in the book of life. Before I am saved, now ask your neighbor for me, does God get you? Because from what the Bible is saying, it does not matter how hard you clap in church, how hard you jump, and how many prophecies you give. If he does not get you, if he does not get you, on that day, you will bring your, your, your journal of, of, of ministry. Lord, I was an usher. I was in the worship team. I... And you will say, I saw all that, but I did not. Yeah. 
I'm just, I'm just exploring. I'm not even here to make you feel guilty. I want you to be as bedazzled as I am with this concept that when God knows you, if he has known you, you fight him in vain. If he has known you, you contend against him in vain. Because once he has known you, he writes your name in the book of life. In the Bible, it's called the election. The elect. However far the elect run, however far they try to hide, he will catch up with you before you die. Somewhere, somehow. Whether he finds you drunk on the street, in your 20s, all on your deathbed, on your 80th birthday, if he has known you, he has known you. I, I, I wish I had time. No, 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 no. Take, take a moment and just ask in your heart, does God know me? Just ask yourself, as a mystery question, do you feel known? <laughs> do you feel known? Because this is the amazing thing. Let me read uh, these verses. I don't think most of them I gave them to projection team. God says of Abraham, I have known him in Genesis 18. I have known him that he may instruct his children in righteousness. Romans 8.29 says, those whom he foreknew, he predestined. <laughs> he first gets you. And you see, to confuse the omniscient one is a miracle. Uh, uh, <laughs> but, but have you ever have you ever dealt with somebody and say, you know what? I just give up. <laughs> Concerning this guy, I just give up. And you see, it's not even about morals. Oh, we see in the Bible murderers and and um, Saul of Tarsus was killing people. <laughs> but God knew him. He had searched him. And said, that one is wasting their time. He will be an apostle to the nations. And when he comes and knocks him off the horse and puts him on the ground. Huh? And he says, and I said, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Why are you giving me trouble and messing up my purposes? He says, Lord, Lord, who are you? He says, I'm Jesus whom you are giving trouble. And he says, what, Lord, what shall I do? Go and you'll be told what you must do. This thing is predestined. Because you think you know yourself, I know you better than you know yourself. I graduated in studying you. I have a PhD in who you are. I know. Now, so the psalmist writes, let me, let's go back, uh, projection team, to 139. I'm stuck. I thought I'd be going on to to how we must know him. I'm still stuck on how we know. Oh Lord, you have searched me and known me. Listen. Continue. You know my sitting down even when you pull a chair. Even when you pull a chair. And you're rising up. 
Even when you sleep in, uh, let me sleep an extra hour. <laughs> he knows you. You understand my thoughts are far off. You know, when somebody studies you, I don't know whether anyone here has ever been stalked <laughs> by somebody who's obsessed about you. Betty, were you stalked ever? Some guy decides, ha, ah, this girl. And they read your colors. They read your hairstyles. They know where you are on Monday at 5 o'clock. They know where you go on Tuesday. And they, you don't know, but in the shadows of your life, somebody is, is waiting for you at the hairdressers because they know you will be there at 5. <laughs> that's, what it, that's what the psalmist is saying. Now, God is not a stalker. <laughs> God. <laughs> But you see, we need to give him a round of applause because, you know, <laughs> the, psalmist, the psalmist gets it one day. He says, my God, you, you have studied me to the extent. Do you know when you say, ha, 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 Pastor Tony is about to cross his legs. You've studied him so much that it has become foreknowledge. That you know just when he's about to cross. My wife knows in certain settings, she says, oh, my days, here we go. She just knows me so well. And she knows what ticks me off. She says, oh, 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 they've now touched the wrong nerve. She knows me. She knows my way. This is what the psalmist is saying. Lord, you searched me to the point that even when I yawn, you saw it coming. This is his obsession, holy obsession with us. Hmm? You understand my thoughts are far off? Let's go to the next one. Projection? Are you with me? Are we stuck? You comprehend my path and my lying down. You are acquainted with all my ways. Continue. For there is not a word on your tongue, on my tongue, but behold, Lord, you know it all together. When you know somebody so well, you say, in this situation, Pamela will say this. <laughs> hmm? So the Bible becomes very interesting. Because God is saying to Jeremiah, I knew you before you were in the womb. Now, 1 Corinthians 13, 12 points us to where we're going. Because 1 Corinthians 13, 12 says, uh, is this 13, 12? 1 Corinthians 13, 12. I thought I, I put that to you. It says, now we know in part, but then we will know as we are known. For now we see in a mirror, but dimly, but then, then, when all the veil is when Christ appears, then face to face, now I know in part, but then I shall know, just as also I am known. So, human beings have a capacity to know as they are known by God. There is a Google capacity in you to search God 
You say type in your, you type God, enter. <laughs> and you search him. And we search him. So when the Bible talks about pursuing the knowledge of God or knowing God, this is what we're talking about. We're talking about searching him, Israel. Searching this man. And demystifying him. And downloading him and installing him in your life. That before he speaks, you know where he's going. That you comprehend his thoughts from afar. To know him as he knows us. How crazy is that? Now you understand why Philippians... What Philippians did I give you, Marvin? Philippians 3.10. Philippians 3.10. Now you understand why Paul is saying that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. Now, have you ever loved somebody that when they get a headache, you get one? That when you feel an itch here, it's because they are itching there. Have you ever got there? <laughs> can see a hand going up. In psychology, it's called sympathetics. Sympathetics. When you bond with somebody to a degree that when they are in distress, you can't sleep at home. I don't know why I'm feeling restless. I don't know why I'm feeling restless. My mind comes to you. Are you all right? It's passion. It's affection. Paul is saying, I want to know him until I feel the nails going into my body. I want to know him until I feel buried in the tomb. I want to be so intoxicated with him that I experience the resurrection and the ascension. Feel the whips on his back. Dying like he died. So this word no, everybody say no. 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 <laughs> to know is deep. I wish I had power to preach. Because I feel pregnant in my spirit with something. No wonder I dreamt. <laughs> you know, there's nothing quite as miserable as a believer who is not growing. Because we have already suffered the loss of many things. We can't steal. We can't kill anybody. <laughs> we can't hate. <laughs> we are forbidden all these things. And then you stay there. You've lost all things. And gained nothing. But at our disposal is a passport. God has given us the password to know him. To experience him. To these levels that Paul is talking about. And he says, and it's very humbling because he guys, not that I have attained it. But forgetting everything that lies behind. I press on to this thing. 
And some of us think Christianity is a bolt on. I have a nine to five job and I add Jesus to it. You can't add him. <laughs> Everything is in him. And so let me read some verses now that come alive under this understanding. 2 Peter, did I give you 2 Peter 1 3? 2 Peter 1 3. Uh, because verses now wake up. His divine power has given us all, how much? All huh, things that pertain to life and godliness. Through what? It's through the knowledge of him. Not through clapping and shouting. That we do as expressions, but we pursue the knowledge of him. To know him as he has known us. That means we search him. We search him. We search him in prayer. We search him in the word. We search him. Because even he had to search for us. And I was saying this on Friday. Have you ever fallen in love with somebody who has no time for you? Aha, <laughs> uh -huh, let's say it as it is. When you are in love with somebody at church and you have a crush, it is obsessive because when you are applying your makeup, you are seeing him. Everything is for him. You iron for him. I'm, I'm, of course, speaking on the girls, but the guys, hey, guys, you know what I'm talking about. When there's that sister. In fact, when you come to church and she didn't come to church, it's like, this, this service is already dry. <laughs> when you're a drummer, that day you just drum randomly because, because she is not in the house. the Bible, you, what verse were you showing? <laughs> hmm? He has given us everything that we need. Everything we need he has given us through there is a via, there is a passage. The more we know him, the more we download Everything that he has given us, it's through the knowledge of him. Knowing him who has known us, who has known us. I'm just reading verses here randomly. John 10, 14. Look at these verses. They just come alive now under that light. I am the good shepherd and I know my sheep and my huh? and I am known by my own. You see, it's difficult to know when you are not known. So I'm talking about this 
reciprocation, this reciprocity of it. I cannot know someone who does not know me. God can know us in advance. Until he has known us, we can't really know him. So I'm talking about this illustration of being in love with somebody who doesn't love you. And the things you do, you know you walk, you put on your walk. And then you look at, in the corner of your eye, you check, did they see me? No, they were too busy eating their chapati. They did not see. <laughs> they did not notice. <laughs> it's a bit funny. But you see, uh, in the seriousness of it, what a pity when God obsesses over us and we don't notice. Because you see, everyone here, if you saw Jesus as you, as you should, you will be messed up for the rest of your life. You will want nothing except him. So the pursuit of our hearts is him. It's like that stupid sister who keeps passing her husband in church. Or the stupid brother who does not see the wife. She is yours. Always was yours. But you are too busy. Your head is in the clouds. <laughs> and you are passing him. Oh, there's a good friend of us who told us a story. Now they are happily married, have had great children, built great careers. But you see, this friend was busy looking for the husband. You know how it goes. She had got proposals. She had uh, two people who wanted to marry her. She was seriously pursuing these relationships. But this brother knew, this is my wife. And he was a humble brother. He lost his hair early. <laughs> so, you know how it is. In your 20s, you've already lost your hair. So he wasn't very assuming and he's laid back in his temperament, he's easygoing, he wasn't born in a rich family, but he put his head down, got a good degree and pushed him through life and, and he said, one day, meanwhile, sister, huh? was being distracted by all these cool looking brothers who park BMWs. This brother had nothing. He just knew this girl is mine. So after she had got her ensemble of broken hearts, he, he knew his time had come. After the sweet, nice-looking brothers had let her down, the brother made a move. <laughs> and he said to her, I have been watching and waiting all these years. Today, they are happily married and have beautiful children. Because he waited. But the point I'm making here is how you can be known and loved and you don't reciprocate it. You are pursued and you are not responding. 
I hope we don't get too late. And you see, it's one thing to even respond to him but, and come to him and, and stay in the shallow levels of knowledge. So the Bible talks, and I could gain, go now with, again through scriptures where the Bible says, Paul, how, how many of you would say Paul didn't know the Lord? He does know the Lord, but he's saying, I have not get, got there yet. I'm still pursuing. I'm still chasing. Now, 1 Corinthians 15, 34. We're about to finish. 1 Corinthians 15, 34. Interesting. Awake to righteousness and do not sin. For some do not have the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. He's writing to a church. And he's saying, you see, the battle you are fighting against sin is not about morals. As a Christianity, we think, oh, you need to come to a holiness class. And we take, open here, open there. You can read the Bible till you are blue in the face, unless it reveals him. Hmm? Unless you come into the knowledge of God. You can never break out of sin. That's why many will say, Lord, Lord, we preach, we learned the skills of ministry, but God is saying, you learned the skills of Christianity, but you did not. When I searched over your history and your timeline, you are a stubborn, unteachable, invulnerable spirit. Because you see, Bible says, a humble and contrite heart he will not despise. I would say the people God can't find are arrogant and unteachable and unbreakable. And so he searches you and he can't find you because you are too arrogant. You are too steeped in your self-importance. You're not broken. I think when God finds a, a contrite heart, he knows you. He knows you. He says, look, guys, some of you do not have the knowledge of God. And I speak this to your shame. Now let me go a little more into the word knowledge. I touched this on Friday. So let's go back to when the, first, the word first shows up in the Bible. The Bible says, Genesis chapter 4, verse 1, and Adam knew his wife Eve, and she conceived and brought forth a male child and named him Cain. Adam knew his wife. And she conceived and bore Cain and said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. She conceived, she knew, Adam knew Eve. Yeah? Now, this is the point I was making. There are three levels of knowledge. Three levels. Level one is factual knowledge. So Adam wakes up after God had put him to the sleep, to sleep, took out his rib, made it into a beautiful, beautiful woman. By you guys, you guys, you should have seen Eve. You should have seen Eve. Come on. Come on. Can you imagine? <laughs> Eve. If you were driving and saw Eve, you would have an accident. She was crafted by God. The first woman. She had all your dreams of beauty in her body. 
Adam sits up and says, my God, this is flesh of my flesh and bone of my bones. She shall be called a woman. Factual knowledge. He looks at her, scales her up and down, and writes a poem instantly. <laughs> she shall be called woman. That day, we are not told what followed, but I, I see Adam feeling a bit shy, <laughs> you know, guys? And here is Eve. And hello, hello. by the way, he gave her the name Eve. God did not name her. There's a lesson there to men. What you call your wife is what she becomes. No, Selah, we won't go there. He names her Eve. He walks her around the garden. I said, this is the hippo. I called it a hippo. This is a lion. This is a giraffe. This is water. Do you want a sip? This is an apple. He gives her a tour. They begin to connect. He knew her factually. And then he knew her emotionally. Because day by day, something would have formed. Then he knew her physically. Then she conceived. But the Bible only calls it knowledge when it has finished the journey. Factual knowledge does not mean knowledge. Even the emotional bond that formed did not call it that. It is when they consummated it. And the word is consummation. When knowledge becomes boiling point. When there is no distance. When there is immersion and complete transportation into each other. The two shall become one flesh, the Bible says. Now, God says he knew. He knew her. Can you imagine? Let's take it away from the human, because human parallels are meant to point to spiritual truths. So the reality is you can know Christ. You can see visions of him. You can read the Bible. And, you can, and the sense is you come to a saving knowledge of him. You come to a saving knowledge where you are connected with him. There's an emotional bond. There's a mind bond. There's a, a, you make a decision because will, mind, and emotions are part of the soul. But there's going deeper than that. It's going deeper, friends, until the knowledge of God saturates you and overwhelms you and transports you. Not once. Not twice. It becomes a lifestyle. So the Bible says grow in the knowledge of God. Grow. Grow. Deeper. Father, his divine power has given us all that we need in life and godliness. Through knowing him. And we bond with him. And go with him to depths and heights. And by the time he goes, we are pregnant. By the time you finish prayer, you're pregnant. By the time you finish meditation, you're pregnant. You're carrying things that are made by God. And now they begin to manifest because you are knowing the one who knows you. Can I say this safely? I need to close. I've not finished, but I need to close. Recently, um, a, 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 a catastrophic event happened in my mother country of Uganda. A very young pastor died. Some of you may have heard 
of the passing of Gideon Molinde, who was um, the son, son to uh, Pastor John Molinde, who's a great, great, great leader in the intercession movement, the global intercession movement, a world trumpet mission, and our condolences go to him. Some of, of that family may be watching. I don't know where Facebook and WhatsApp goes. But you see, this guy was 29. 29 years old, handsome, anointed, devoted. He has started two powerful ministries. He mentors young men and women. He's a pursuer of revival. God has used him incredibly. He goes to Israel and finds this Australian girl. They meet in the Holy Land. And I don't know what happened. I haven't full, had the full story. But a relationship bud, buds in that situation. And they, they connect. And I don't know how they developed it online and beyond. And they, they, they come to a point and, and he wants to marry her. And they, they, they say, we're going to get married. She's in Australia. COVID hits. This girl has to get to her husband. How long did she journey? I don't, I've not heard the details. Hmm? They waited for one year, fighting to get together. Visas, coronavirus, blah, blah, blah. She fought against barriers and travel restrictions until she landed on the border of Uganda and had to be picked up by car because of jumping hurdles and to come and get married to Gideon. And after their first anniversary, he gets a tummy ache in the afternoon and by evening is dead. He's dead. And the shock that has hit the nation because of Pastor uh, John Molinde, Apostle John Molinde's fame and, and his national profile. All the pastors you've ever heard of who are powerful and mightily used in Uganda were involved in the funeral. And as we should, Jesus said, raise the dead. There was a campaign to raise him from the dead. The widow was saying, I cannot have come from Australia and fought lions and bears. To come to Uganda, given up everything, obviously, if you can imagine, your daughter in Australia is going to marry some African boy who you have never seen. The parents' challenge and difficulty in that must have been incredible. I don't know what she went through, just convincing parents. I cannot just put him in the ground. Pastors, can you help me believe that God would raise him from the dead? And his body is warm. In the hospital, and people began to pray. This is a prayer movement. World Trumpet, Trumpet Center, these guys can pray till the cockroaches die. They can pray till the cows come home. I looked at intercessors. Guys, guys have been fasting and praying for this boy to be raised from the dead. They postponed the funeral. I saw in the worship service, Pastor, Pastor Robert Kayanja, Pastor, uh, who is it? Hmm? Pastor John Bunjo, all the apostles in the world. Uh, who is it? Um, Rubega. All these miracle workers. Everybody prayed. Everybody prayed for a miracle. 
this body was still in the coffin. And the tug of war was incredible. The nation has been shaken. The media has been shaken. People have followed the story. It has been posted online. Some of you have followed it. To the graveside, they were praying for miracles. For a miracle to happen. To the graveside. And I told my wife, this is incredible. Because we... We don't bury 29-year-old men. Pastor John was grooming him to take over World Trumpet Mission. The whole investment, the whole future of that ministry, the eyes are on him. Dad is quite ill. His mother died about, what, 10 years ago? They've known tragedy and difficulty. and, and, And you sit in that situation, and somebody says, should they not have believed? For his resurrection? Should they not have? Should they not have? Up to the graveside. And the lowering of that casket. Into the ground. And they've seen resurrection miracles in that ministry. And I stand conflicted, conflicted. Because one of the promises of God is you will live a full life. Hmm? Yeah, it says the man's life shall be 30 score and uh, 30 score and two. So 80 years, 70 years for reason of strength, 80. I mean, (laughs) people like, like John could not even die. Moses dies at 120. He has 2020 vision. He has no arthritis. God is able to sustain our lives. But constantly, we are faced with the reality that there are missing ingredients in our Christian experience. We cannot seem to fully contain what we were promised. <laughs> Not even promised, given. <laughs> we are just ready. He gave it to us. <laughs> it's like when you get <laughs> recently I, 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 I bought something and I couldn't open it. It was delivered by Amazon and I'm trying to open it. I can't open my own purchase. In the end, I just got scissors and things and cut everything. Now, you see, God has deposited something, but he says, through the knowledge of him is how we access it. Through these intense, intimate moments, which happen behind closed doors, in trying to to find an earthly parallel to what it means to know God. Hmm? The only possible thing is sexual union between a man and a woman. There is no other way to try and explain it. That is what God shows. It happens behind closed doors in secrecy. And biologically, when you examine, it's one of the most transient 
physiological experiences the human mind, spirit, body, and soul can ever experience. That's why it's a trouble to the nations. That has your relationship with God becomes, has it ever become consummational? Has it ever become consummational? That you touch him, spirit, soul, and body, and there's an explosion of spiritual catalytic, uh, what's the word? And you walk away knowing you belong to him. And that de deposits things that linger on and grow in you. I must close this sermon. But we must know him who has known us. That's the point. Somebody, somebody, pastor, you see, I, I, church bores me because I'm a businessman. I want principles. I want truth to grow my business. What are you talking about? What are you talking about? The, the church sermons should be more practical. You guys preach very spiritual. <laughs> and I said, wait for the recession. When everything is redrawn and there is no British economy and the only thing that can keep you going is Jehovah Jireh. So a businessman needs to know how to meet with God over his business and hear from God and walk with God and know God in the context of his business. And become an anointed apostle in the business world. Through the knowledge of God. Everybody stand to your feet. I need to close. Preach too long. Are you hearing me, God's people? I wish I could prophesy. But you see, this generation had better wake up and smell the coffee. Because it's never about falling in love. Oh, I'm in love. Does God know him? Did God know him? <laughs> when God was knowing him, did he know him? Or are you fabricating? Are you throwing ingredients together into a container, hoping a soup will come out? You know what I mean? When you're cooking by guesswork, throwing in ingredients. <laughs> come on, guys. In Christ. The solid rock we stand. It is him who is the alpha and the omega, the beginning the, and the end. He is the sustainer of all things. He is the answer to the cry of the heart. He is the destiny of every soul. And we must stop playing games and pursue him with a vengeance in the context of our lives as businessmen, as Fathers, as mothers, as employees, whatever you do, find God, walk with him, download him, meet with him over your life. Jesus, that we may know you. Lift up your hands. First thank him that he has known you. Because according to the scriptures, we that dare come out of our home in a fuel shortage and a marathon and you still drive to church and you take off your money and you give a tithe. Something happened to you. 
This thing cannot be taught. It's not about a religious conversion. It's about a brokenness of heart that God says, I know you. I know you. I have known Pastor Bernard. I have known Violet. I know you. It's because that Jesus said, you did not choose me. <laughs> he was referring to this thing. I chose you. I chose you. I saw you eternity from eternity. And I said, uh-huh, that one, that one, that one, that one. And I marked you. And you find in time what God found in timelessness. I want you to know God knows you. <laughs> and you can never reverse that. But now you need to know the one who knows you. To the point, Paul talks about the, he prays for the church to enter the revelation of the knowledge of God. When it, it steps into a point where you know him by revelation, revelations begin to flow through your life in this process of knowing him. Bang, you, you bump into these insights and now you've moved away from mere study. You step into supernatural dimensions of revelation in the knowledge of God. Why did I bring that story of, resur of resurrection? Is I believe there is a place. There is a place. And we, we keep getting reminded that we haven't arrived. And it never is. You can't compensate with noise. What is lacking in intimacy. You cannot. We cannot say we were enough in the room. We cannot say we prayed long enough. It's not about length of prayer. It's about depth of intimacy. It's about the knowledge of him infusing our minds and hearts and our bodies and our communities to a point where Satan has nowhere to pass because the knowledge of God has saturated the house of God. And God's people have gone to deep places and so diseases begin to just die. Dead people just come back to life. These things are possible. So you see, when we, when we talk about a discipleship program, we're not talking about, please fit it in your diary. No, 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 no. We're not, talking, we're not looking for things which fit in our diary. We're looking for things which upset our diary and rewrite our diary. Yeah, rewriting our diary. God's people hear me. I hope you excuse my passion. Hands lifted to Jehovah God. Those of you that are home, you're watching this guy burn. You're watching me burn. But there is a challenge for us to know the one who has known us, to search the one who has searched us. Jesus, we say yes to the invitation. We want to know you. We want to know you. We want to follow you. We want to find you. We want to be touched by you. We want to be transported by you. We want to be translated by you. Knowing you, there is no greater thing. We want to be immersed. We want to be united with you. Jesus, we say yes to your calling. Continue in his presence a little bit more. A little bit more. I want you to know, I want you to sense how your diary must change. 
I want you to designate specific windows of your day for God. I want you to consider. And the best I could offer you guys is LCF discipleship. But you see, after I've given it to you, all you have is an app on the phone. It does not substitute for hunger and passion or ambition for God. But it can be helpful if you keep to its rhythms and answer to its challenges. At least there's a point of contact there for us to pursue this, this one who has pursued us and to enter places with him. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Bless you, God. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to challenge you to go back to reading the Bible. Search for him. I'm going to challenge you to find a prayer group and pray. 5 a.m., pray with them. Pray with that. Find that link. Come in. We need to find him. We need to know him. He has searched for us. We need to search for him. Not to search for him, but search him. Find a prayer life. Read a Bible. Make notes. Grow, 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 grow in the knowledge of God. Yes, Lord. We say yes to you. If you are here and you've never given your life to Christ, if you're online and you've never given your life to Christ, you've never said yes to him, I'm challenging you to say yes, to come into the knowledge of him, level one. Because, you know, if you belong to him, you labor in vain to try and get away from him. And things have kept coming that connect you back to church. Some of you church kids, you think, oh, I'm, I, don't, I don't believe what my father believes. <laughs> if you're born in a Christian home, my friend, you, you've got to be joking. There is a, a heritage. Because the Bible says, believe in the Lord and you and your household shall be saved. There's a household claim over you. There's a household claim over you. Stop wasting your time. and Stop wasting the time of the Lord. He has known you and searched you. Some of you have had visions of him. Today is your time to say, yes, Lord. I say yes to the call. Now, some of you are saying, Pastor, my life is such a mess. You, didn't, you think he didn't see it? He saw the mess before he chose you. <laughs> he saw the mess. And you and him will sort out the mess. But the truth is you are his. So say yes to, to Jesus. So I did you in a prayer and say, Lord Jesus, today I thank you that you have searched for me. That you have searched me. That you have known me. I know that I am known. I feel that knowing. I want to reciprocate to know you even as you have known me. To go deeper. To get intimate. To be touched by you. To be filled by you. Hey, thank you, Lord. I surrender to the call of becoming yours and being yours in Jesus' name. Give him a round of applause. I've preached very long.